0: Welcome to Airbnb Hacks, discussing the best tips and hacks to find and grow your short-term rentals. Here's your host, Jonathan Waxman. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the pod. Um, If you don't already do it, please make sure to click the subscribe button. We work really hard for you guys every week to hear interesting people in the STR space. Um, This is Sahil. Sahil, say what's up.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, man.
0: Of course, of course. Uh, Meeting you at HostCon was amazing. You seemed very chill. We connected right away. And then I accidentally realized that you were one of the speakers. So I'm like, holy shit, I got to be homies with that guy. And here we are. Um, So welcome, welcome. I'm sure a lot of people are excited to hear what you have to say. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, I tried to to not make it known that I was a speaker because the more I thought about it, the the more more you know I was I was uh the more amped up and anxious that I felt. So try to try to just let it happen when it happened.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I I was very impressed with your character. Your character stood out to me right away. So for the audience, I consider Sahil a humble giant, humble beast. Um, so let's let's get into some questions. So the first one I think we should go with is tell us a little bit about your Maryland roots. I know we both have Maryland roots. I went to so high school in Maryland. You're, you grew up in Maryland. So tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about your family and how that kind of that that childhood made you attracted to go into real estate, specifically short-term rentals.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I, yeah, born and raised my, my parents um, very sort of epitome of, of uh, immigrant story like they they came in with uh, two suitcases not a dollar to their name uh, try to pave you know the road for for themselves and for uh, their family so my uh, dad chose uh, a small town in, in Maryland where he was able to um, slowly, Chip away and, and and get his his his, his uh, license to become a doctor. Eventually, it took him like twenty, I think, 10, 15 years. Um, and but he started he started working at Seven Eleven when he first came into the country. And he sort of just uh, sacrificed everything that he had and 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 all the time that he that he could um, provide for you know creating a future for his kids. And so um, growing up, we always were, uh, expected to, um, you know, our our parents, both, both mom and dad, like they were always, uh, just trying to, um, provide for their kids. So they weren't home often. Uh, and you have have siblings. Yeah. So I have three older siblings. I'm the youngest of four. Are you close? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I, I, yeah, very close, very, very small family, but you know, we're very, very, Driven to um, the same mission and vision of, of like, you know, understanding how much our parents compromised for us uh, and, you know, giving it back to them one day. And so we're, we, we all work hard and push each other to, you know, push that a- mission with, 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 you know, giving it all back to the parents that, that allowed us to sort of become who we are. But yes, born and raised in a small town. Um, always sort of was in this like urgency growing up to provide for the, for, for our parents. But like, I didn't really know how, and I didn't really have like a, a a direction, but I was like that, that was like, um, it always pushed me to be like entrepreneurial and figure out like different ways that I could, um, scrap together, you know, cash and pocket money to be able to, um, you know, leverage in, into more and 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 uh so that so growing up like i, I just had um different i was very scrappy and different sort of um, what was the what was the
0: business what was the business you 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 got into growing up that you can share um
1: do throughout middle school and like high school i was i was like slinging um snacks and treats in high school uh and, and middle school so it was just like whatever was the was was in demand. Like, you know, it could have been brownies, gum. You know, I think I was I was doing it all. Like whatever would sell. And so like I, I was doing that. I was shoveling driveways in the winter. Um that's awesome. Mowing that ga- mowing grass in the summer. Just whatever I could do to um, you know, provide for myself so that at least, you know, I couldn't I, I wouldn't have to rely on my parents. But I wasn't really like I didn't have a particular skill set other than just like hustling and that's amazing. Um, doing, whatever it was to be able to provide for myself and one day, you know, be able to provide for my parents and then have them not have to worry about me.
0: So take me to the road to Berkeley. How do you get from Maryland to Berkeley? Let's do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was my 11th grade summer. I, uh, didn't have any qualifications of going to a four-year university. My oldest brother at the time was graduating from Berkeley and we took a trip out to California to celebrate his graduation and just be with him. We had never gone I had never been to California, and so it was our first time going out there, and during that trip, it was like a one-week trip. Um, we were also talking about my outlook as I was nearing like college applications and, you know, what is it that I was going to do? Because the only really main thing that I was like committed and dedicated to was like playing golf, but I wasn't really like good at that either.
0: I'm, I'm terrible at golf. I'm like the worst <laughs> golfer. It's embarrassing. You never golf. Yeah, it. no, I,
1: I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, it's a tough sport. Um, you know, I played and I was uh, uh, very committed to the sport and I wasn't really that good either. And so it, things got really serious in terms of what was it that I was going to really pursue or do. And so my parents like had this idea of like, what if I had just moved to Berkeley and like just went, um, lived under the wings of my brother. And like he took care of me for um, just life after high school. And it was like just a premature thought and idea that really developed fast in the one week that we were there. And like long story short, we I didn't end up taking my return flight that I had that summer. Um, Cause I felt like, you know, I had nothing to lose. I didn't really have that much going on in Maryland. And so I felt like, you know, if I moved to California I'd be able to, um, it'd be a fresh start and I could, it was like the feeling of unknown that was exciting. And obviously like I was nervous, but um, I was just as bit scared as I was excited. So um, I took the leap of faith and I like enrolled in high school that summer, like didn't really know, didn't have a game plan, didn't even like provide notice that I wasn't gonna be going back to senior year um, back home. We sort of just figured it out on the fly and that was like the beginning of everything because that moment where I moved out for the first time um, and not really living under that support system that I had growing up it, it pushed me it pushed my already. Uh, inherent like feeling of, of being in a, in a rush to provide for, for my family in one day well, however, that looked it like pushed it amplified that feeling and like I was now in more of a control of like how I was going to get there because it was sort of, you know, day in and day out, I, I sort of just had myself to hold accountable yeah, um, yeah. home, you know, to, to anybody that would do my, my just daily chores, I would, I would be expected to, to whatever I wanted, whatever life I wanted, I had to create. And so I started, um, in the best way that I knew how I just started side jobs. I got a job at Chipotle to, to, to get free food, pay for rent to begin with. And then, you know, I slowly realized that, um, I had to, uh, I didn't real, really, have experience in real estate, but I knew it, it to be a, an avenue that had like a, a, a upside that you could control. Like it so was this, sort of this is, based This is at Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah. So I moved to Berkeley in 2013, uh, my senior year of high school and, I, I knew that the barrier to entry to get you know into real estate was very low, but but you can sort of make it what you uh, wanted if you you know put in the work and and uh, you know produced produced uh, uh, sales. You can sort of make a lot of money, and so I, I wanted to give it a try. I, I figured I had nothing to lose. I was in high school at the time. So bro- uh, this is this is brokerage. Yeah, yeah. So real yeah. estate sales and. Uh, so at the time, I, my two main things were, were how was I going to get, how was I going to set myself up to transfer into Berkeley? That would give me the best chance at getting in because it was very like, you know, it's a very prestigious school that has a high barrier to entry um, and my school grades were in no sort of shape, way, form or form to get me that, um, a good opportunity of getting in. so. I sort of try to reverse engineer, like what would be the best way of me getting in. And I figured it would, it was, it was by transferring, um, because all my grades I'm a, I'm a tra- re-
0: transfer. I'm a transfer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you know,
1: you know, like your, your grades in high school, I think it, it is still like somewhat of a cumulative, uh, uh, resume, but your transfer credits all of a sudden sort of supersede your, your high school resume. And so, like, what you do and the grades that you transfer in with will be sort of the first um, filter that that they'll that that they will sort of judge you on. Um, and I don't remember exactly; it's been several years. But so I made it. My my two primary missions were when I was finishing high school: were how can I like you know restart my my uh, my resume in and 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 submit myself as a transfer student in the best way possible to focus on on getting like much better grades than i had in high school but as a transfer student and it was also to like support myself financially and how would i set myself up to be able to like you know pay my rent and be like independent
0: it's amazing hearing your story from maryland to berkeley and the thoughts starting to percolate about real estate and you start acquiring a growth mindset that's sort of the way that i took what you were explaining and for yeah. you to get there at a young age is actually really impressive um if you remember when we met at the conference i met a lot of people who made comments to me it's amazing that you've acquired this mindset before 40 or before 50. Yeah. most people they don't have they don't wake up they don't have that sense of urgency but you should be grateful that you had the parents that you had in the place that you had them with the brother with the brother that you had because it led you to this place um something I was very curious about uh researching you before the pod is wanting to get into your first deal of course but mostly really wanted to know like because I want to make use of the time we could do 10 episodes with you but when you got started what was a noteworthy deal that you want to share that makes you excited that you want to talk about different um, parts of what made the deal special maybe it was house hacking maybe it was maybe it was a building Maybe it was, you know, part yeah. short-term rental, part something else. I have no idea what it is, but I want the audience to know because you're an awesome dude, and I got to know you over um, a longer period than a pod session.
1: Absolutely, no, I appreciate it. No, you're right. So much to do with the mindset. Uh, just to speak to that real quick, like what really, you know, and it's tough to, you know, uh, 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 put this in a way that people can also find this type of mindset in the way that I did, but. For me, it was like when I moved to California that like first summer, um, my I had discovered that my dad had like a heart attack. When when and it was my first time not living at home with with him. And so for me to be across the country and getting that news, it was like the most gut wrenching um, news that I had ever heard and or dealt with. And everybody you know deals with some level or some type of crisis and many times in their life. But that was my first real. Um, moment that i that really took me back and 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 i had a hard realization that life is very precious i have to really t- take a look at myself and do um what i want to do like really in order for me to contribute to my aspirations of of of, of allowing my parents to live the life that i want them to live like i'm gonna really need to now put one foot in front front of the other and be very intentional with what i do and that's when i like went, went really hard with pursuing this real estate Avenue, I reached out to like dozens of people, dozens of successful real estate agents to try and shadow and mentor somebody, um, be under the mentorship of somebody. And so it was right time, right place. I, and this led to my first deal, but I was able to, um, come across an opportunity with a real estate agent who was just at the beginning at the time. I didn't know. He didn't know he was just at the, uh, at the time, uh, uh, of taking his career sort of completely in an explosive state. And so he was he was producing at the time, uh, like $30 million a year, he needed an assistant. He was just at the at the production level where he really didn't have enough bandwidth to handle it all himself. And so he was he accepted me with open arms and like wanted me to be his intern. I was for several months where I just, um, you know, I don't even remember what it was. I I, I might have been working for free or. Um, I think he was paying me hourly, but I was just learning at, at the pace that I wanted and soaking it up like a sponge um, from just understanding what that type of business entailed. And this was while going to Berkeley. And so within six months, I really took it very seriously and 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 uh, uh, showed him that he could entrust his clients with with my level of um, uh, work ethic and like he trusted me to to, to handle his clients. And so with that came with that increased level of responsibility came like, um, a, a increased level of compensation. And so he started, uh, doing a commission split with me, with the number of clients that I would help for, for, um,
0: he would commission his, split
1: on it. It would commission split with you on his clothes, but then I gave you cash. Exactly. And that was like my first, So like my first year, I cleared six figures from just six months prior working at Chipotle. And that was for me, like the first time that I had ever seen that type of money. And I immediately like knew that I have now this um, increased uh, sense of responsibility of how do I preserve this and multiply this? And naturally, like, because I was in the space, we were helping investors ourselves. I fell into, um, I was really intrigued in, in how I could make my, find my footing in, in like the investment, real estate investment side. And going to Berkeley, I also saw like the major inefficiencies and problems that like the university had with like their housing shortage and housing crisis. I like, you know, just sort of try to pair the um, knowledge that I was getting from the brokerage side and sort of the problems that I was seeing of being a student and looking at and canvassing the market from that lens and see like, how could I, you know, make an investment that would solve for the problems that I was seeing, but also use the advantages that I was that I had working for this real estate agent with you know off market listings or. Because um, that was like the biggest thing in the market that I in of Berkeley, the biggest thing was um, it was very competitive like once a listing hit the market that it was just known to like be very, very difficult to. um, You know. uh. uh, uh have an offer be accepted with, with, with terms that were like, you know, competing with people that have far more resources than I have. And so, um, working with this guy in, in like, after the first year, what was his his name? Herman, Herman Chan. I mean, I owe a lot to him because he, he really gave me the platform to grow and develop. And I just wanted to take it very seriously.
0: Yeah, no, no, for sure. So it sounds like at this point in your life, you've got a lot of reference knowledge and experience in the space. And you're like, okay, now I have the confidence even at a young age to make, make some shit happen. So like, um, how, how did that first deal fall in your lap? Did you find out, Yeah, it? Where um, did it find
1: you? It, it was, a, so I expressed to the broker, like, you know what I was interested in, in terms of student housing, like in terms of housing around campus. And so it was a, like a listing that was being brought onto the market by one of his colleagues, somebody that that you know was in his network that had floated this deal to him. Cause he was already very well reputed, like his, he had a very big reputation in Berkeley. So a lot of agents would, would would circulate listings that would be coming soon to their network of like, hey, I have this listing coming soon. Do you have a buyer um, for, for this? Before they would even hit. And so there was this listing that had had been circulated to him by one of his colleagues, and then he had floated it to me because I had already voiced this like the parameters of what we were looking for and for the most part it was like we wanted to try to find something where i could live in my senior year it was like sort of a, a a classic house hack where i could live in one of the rooms and like rent out the remaining rooms
0: but, but the audience should know why this is especially powerful this is powerful because california real estate prices number one are much higher than places where, like where I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. You can buy a house for a hundred grand in house hack it in Cleveland, Ohio. But in Berkeley, yeah. t- tell us how much that 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 property costs. Yeah, so the, 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 I
1: mean, probably the average household value in, in that area was probably like around eight, 900,000 at the time.
0: And this is and what year? 2017. Okay, so
1: it's probably even higher now. Yeah, yeah, certainly like maybe 20, 30, 20, 25% higher. And knowing that, I, uh, you know, fortunately, th- there's so much that I'm, I'm to be, you know, fortunate and blessed enough to, to be able to do what I did, but my brother at the same time also was um, completely aligned with what I wanted to do with real estate and, and, and using all of his earnings that he was had during his, uh, his day job. And so we came together and, and, and were able to, you know, enter into this high price market uh, coming together
0: and putting our resources together. So you and your brother used that, that fused that sort of childhood motivation together, put your money together and house hacked this thing.
1: House hacked this thing. We came in, it was a three bedroom at the time. We turned it into a seven bedroom. um, That's crazy. Yeah. And a lot of it was, you know, just understanding it on the go. Like we didn't really know exactly that's what we were going to do going into it. But we want we understood high level that we need to add some level, we need to add some form of value to this property in order for us to um, generate enough cash flow to cover our debt service and create cash flow on top of that. And and in understanding that, we sort of dissected it and, and broke down how, you know, obviously the revenue is created by a per room basis. So then, you know, naturally we were like, okay, how do we create more rooms? and that's what we did. We we sort of understood. We broke down the floor plan and understood how could we optimize uh, the 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 living space. How could we format bedrooms, bathrooms, living room, and kitchen for it to be able to fit the most number of bedrooms. And so we convert. We did you know garage infill with with um, and understanding like the, the code and and zoning um, all on the go. It was very very nuanced and complicated. But um, I know about that. It yeah. didn't it didn't necessarily deter us from starting. We we just understood that it was something that was going to be a vehicle that could take us to the next level. And so we made it a point to understand it and 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 and, and um you know we we wanted to just be very um aggressive with with this pursuit because we were not going to, you know, amplify our and and leverage our savings by like just sitting on it. We had to invest it. And so we knew that we, like, we had to start somewhere. We didn't understand all of it, but we were going to just understand it through the first deal. And so we did that. We turned it into a seven bedroom. It, it was, it turned out to be everything that after, despite making a lot of mistakes, it turned out to be ex, it, it turned out to exceed our expectations in every way. Like that first deal, we, our debt service on it was like 5,000 a month roughly. Okay. And we were producing about like 11,000 a month in rent.
0: So f- you're f- five and then you're, but you're making 11. So yeah. that's pretty damn good. And are you, are you, how did you rent these out? Tell us about e- each of the seven rooms you li- you know, how did you, how did you rent them out? You know, what did you use? What platforms did you use um, or not platforms? How did you, how did you achieve that? That were above the debt service.
1: Yeah, I mean it was my senior year, so I already knew like the channels where students would really mainly be focused in on and finding housing. And so, fortunately for us, like the market that we studied and were uh, uh, playing in already had a lot of fundamentals that were stacked in our in our favor, like. The, the housing crisis is pretty bad in Berkeley where the university only offers 20% of housing um, to their entire undergraduate class size of 40,000. And so other universities have different allowance like uh, uh, housing um, accommodations. Like UCLA offers 100% housing to their uh, undergraduate class size for all four years. So that's like a stark contrast to what Berkeley offers. So I knew that there was like a major um, inadequate supply of housing to students, and so we we were able to um, find a group lease, like of just a group of friends. So even though we went into it with the idea to do like a house hack, shortly um,
0: after, what do, mean, what do you what do you mean a group lease?
1: Like we we would um, find. So going through Berkeley myself, like my first year of living in the dorms. After the first year, I. You know, we had a group of students that wanted to live together like a group of seven, eight, ten people, but we there weren't really many options around Berkeley. So generally, there's um, people and students that want to live with their friends. So it's just like we targeted groups in that way, like friends, groups of friends that went to the university that wanted to live together, but there was just not like many um, offerings that could could fit like group accommodations. And so we found like a group of seven who wanted to live in a house together. And, you know, for them, they paying $1,500 a person in comparison to everything else that was around in Berkeley, it it um, it was a bargain. Like we remodeled the place. So in terms of the condition that we provided and what we provided, it wasn't really readily available. So it's all relative. Like in your market, it could be $800 a room or it could be $500 a room. In this market, you know dorms are charging two thousand north of two thousand um for for you know rooms with twin size beds now you had a, all niche. Of a, sudden, you had a niche you had a perfect niche yeah, that's all it was and and so to see that and 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 have it sort of produce like sixty seventy thousand dollars of net cap, positive cash flow in year one like we knew that like that was like a proof of concept and we were like this is something that we need to just understand how to do again and just at that point it was reaccumulation of capital and identifying the next deal
0: so, so you, it took, so, it took, you um, so you so you let that cash stack until you found another deal that you wanted to buy exactly exactly and that came in 2019 you're a huge Where, beast you're a huge beast and the audience should know you're a huge beast <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah i mean it, it 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 um a lot of it comes down to being really driven in what you want. So like, this is what we wanted. So we saved like 99% of what we earned to put towards this purpose. And so it's like, you know, it's not to be under understating the fact that, yeah, it did take resources, but it also took like, I understood that with every deal that I closed, it would be one deal, it would be, you know, every dollar that I earned would be $1 closer to making this investment. So I drove marketing efforts and Understood. How could I have this real estate agent that I was working for? You know, he he was growing like almost fifty to one hundred percent year over year. Like my first year with him, he was producing thirty million. I think by year two or three, he was producing sixty million. And understanding that helping him grow his business would ultimately help me build my business. And so it was really just like understanding how could I. Be very intentional with, even though I'm, I'm building somebody else's business, how could I be intentional in laying down the foundation for what would ultimately be, you know, my business. And I, out of all this, what I could encourage for, you know, the viewers or, or people who are watching, you, you want to, you know, you can trade your time for money, which is what I did. You can, um, work for a wage. You could trade your effort for money, which is what i what I eventually evolved into, which is you trade, you can trade your effort for money. But you always want to be prioritizing for ownership and equity because that's ultimately how you create long-lasting wealth, generational wealth. And so I always knew that. But um, and and how I was going to get there was was being very intentional with how I use and 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 deploy the money that I would earn from the sales job that I had. And so that people just need to uh, just be very intentional and and be very driven to. Prioritizing for ownership and equity. I know there's like a big craze in arbitrage and things that produce cash flow, but you can't lose sight of, of, of you know, prior to Ultimately, prioritizing for things that would create ownership and equity in, in 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 things that that
0: you ultimately will do. I'll tell you, Sahil. I I know people say the American dream is dead, or they have a lot of comments about it, but you're proof that. The american dream like it works if you work for if you work on it that's um, it that's all it is um you know seven years ago to to i, mean, I, got, the I gotta ask you something though because we're coming to the end i get the impression that you're very good at saving money you're a hustler you yeah. come from you come from humble beginnings and you're starting to make i'm sure in 10 20 years people are people are going to know your name but i saw you got a tesla so you have to tell me why would somebody who saves every all his money to get the next investment, which sounds like you did go for that Tesla. What do you tell us about your Tesla, which it feels like that's something that you, you, you gave yourself like a little reward.
1: Yeah, it was, that was in 2020. So it was at the end of 2020, I believe. Um, that was already after we had, um, you know, purchased a good number of properties. I think at that time we were already about for our on our fourth property may have been fifth at that time and so at that point it become it became not purely the same mission that it was when we started it started to become becoming more of like a a strategy based growth plan like how do we now preserve and offset taxes and that sort of became more of a conversation than it was like you know early in the earlier uh, uh starting phase and so really it was like um a, 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 a conversation that, uh, I had with my CPA who really like is, is my second right-hand man in, in a lot of like business operations. Like we strategize together constantly. And are you saying, are you
0: saying, ta- are you saying that how I can
1: structure my taxes that would best allow me to, um, position myself for the next purchase? Because every purchase is very conditional on taxes and how I, um, File them. How I show certain write-offs, whether they're paper uh, write-offs or whether they're recurring expenses or non-recurring expenses. So a lot of it was all strategy with with the CPA and and the Tesla that I ultimately bought was like a a a, a tax write-off um, for the business because you know and it's not nothing novel like it is it's a very common tax strategy that a lot of business owners use. It's called Section one seventy nine where if you use your vehicle for business purpose. Um, and you, it weighs. I think the threshold is over six thousand gross. Um, the gross vehicle weight is over six thousand pounds. You can write off. Um, I think the laws have changed since when I first bought it, but like the bonus depreciation, you can write off one hundred percent of it in the first year. Every every car, I'm any thinking, car that you I'm buy the, I'm has a about level it. of depreciation. But if yeah. it weighs over six thousand pounds, you can take advantage of what's like. I think the bonus depreciation um, law, I am certainly not like, you know, the tax, uh, qualified tax, uh, CPA. So I definitely recommend, um, talking and having a good CPA that can show you if that's like a good strategy for you. But ultimately that was why I bought like a model X is what I ended up buying. Um, because it was a 100% depreciable expense in the first year, which from tax standpoint, when I went to go finance my next purchase, it was all added back to my oh. income because it was not a um a, a, a recurring expense it was like a, a depreciation expense like when you show depreciation on on property that portion of uh, write-off actually gets added back
0: to your income that's an amazing story first of all teslas are dope so that's also probably why you got it but uh, okay. but, but i feel like, I feel the, like depreciation the depreciation thing is very was cool, very cool
1: yeah yeah i mean that was a big big way for me to um offset a lot of uh my taxes because that was also like as my income was increasing as our rental portfolio was was growing we started to have a lot of um uh, you know mo- more revenue and, and so strategy became a big big part of our, our our game plan at that point and so that was a way for me to but i ultimately sold that car too um it was, um, something that I sold in 2021 and, and, and put it towards the next deal. But, um, yeah, it started, honestly, like, I know we only talked about the first deal, but for me, like the, we're on now eight properties, like the the eighth property was no different, like, than the first one. It was just, we, we proved something that worked. And then we just, you know, um, we're very, very contained with the parameters and the uh, every every identifying our deals like we, we we just wanted to make sure that it was within the shoebox that that we knew worked and then we just it was rinse and repeat and, and just we, we every property we bought like you know in a nutshell we always made sure that we could add you know a minimum of 30 to 50 percent value above what it would cost us to purchase the property and what it would cost us to create that value. So basically creating 30 to 50% equity above our all in cost basis was our like, for the first property, it was creating that three, t- turning it from a three bed to seven bed. The next couple of properties, it was expanding the footprint of the home from you know, 1,000 square feet to 4,000 square feet. It was always like, a focus was how do we wedge ourselves into this high priced market in a way that would allow us to Sort of uh, uh um, create an insulation from any um turbulence in the market and also just like what could happen, so creating that increased um equity spread always gave us that confidence um so we always look for deals where we can we, where we can make that mark, and every deal sort of followed that footprint
0: let's personal, that was awesome that that was awesome um my last question is. Let's leave on a fun fact about you, Sahil. Um, give us one fun fact about you personally. Could be like something quirky, like uh for me, uh I can't resist Cinnabon. You know, like if Cinnabon if that smell hits your face, <laughs> it's over. Um, which is bad, but also amazing. So just you can't me. resist what is it? It's
1: Cinnabon. Oh well, I could share I could share that with you because I, I, I definitely have a sweet tooth. Um when it comes to you know, I, I I always have to finish off with dessert. Um, you know, with, you know I know I know Alex Ramosi has this thing that's like some guy that I follow a lot because I love his perspective and and I love how you know his his business oriented um, mind on whatever he does. But he has this big thing where like you know you you, you have to treat yourself, um, and when it when it comes to you know. Eating, you 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 eat good. You treat yourself so that you're always in like this 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 headspace of being um, energized on life, happy and 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 um, you know ready to to take on the next day. And so for me, it's 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 always um, prioritizing experiences and making sure that I I I feel good. I eat good. I I <laughs> so all that to say, you know, if you if you if you can't resist. The, the smell of Cinnabon sometimes you just have
0: to you know fall into temptation and and. and, and... <laughs> all I'm saying is I know you go to Equinox and my cheat days are epic that's all I'm going to say there's sushi there's Cinnabon there's it's 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 crazy um Seal I want to thank you so much for coming on the pod um I know we had some connectivity issues so I apologize for that um but amazing job and um yeah um thanks I'm, for having me man i mean um
1: you have i know the viewers probably know because they follow you you have an incredible story as well and um i'm just following uh you know i'm taking i'm taking the lead of people like you so
0: keep doing what you're doing it means, it means a lot coming from a, like a beast because i think what you did what you did to go from zero to one and then one two three etc is like it, it sounds way harder it sounds like consistent discipline consistent saving so hopefully we'll have you back on the pod to get into some some of your other stories um because there's only a limited amount of time but thank you so much awesome. for the Mansa heal and we, we will catch you guys also make sure everybody please click subscribe because we work really hard to bring you awesome people it means a lot to me helps with the algorithm youtube algorithm thank you so much awesome thanks guys Thanks for listening to Airbnb Hacks. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share with someone you know looking to get started in short-term rentals. In the meantime, keep up with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Yonatan Waxman. Until next time.